Good evening and welcome to another edition of Law Focus. My name is Millicent Ndiweni and I am not alone. I'm traveling with my colleague. And together we will be your voice of law for the evening right here on VOWFM 88.1. So tonight we are going to discuss bail. I don't know if you've ever thought about it before. Perhaps you've never been arrested. But have you ever wondered what purpose bail actually serves? Who does it actually affect? How do you apply for it? Why is it important at all? Where does the money go for the bail? What about minors, the indigent, the poorest of the poor? or even illegal immigrants, how does bail apply to these people? Yeah. yeah, I mean, bail is a very important question because it's one of the more important parts of the, of the, of the criminal justice process. Yeah. Uh, and uh, whenever um, one is arrested, it becomes an issue. Yeah, because yeah. it's a must. Yeah. It's part it of the justice. Yeah. Absolutely. So to help us unpack these issues about bail and give us this broader understanding, we're going to be joined on the line by Stanley Malimaja, who is an attorney at the Right to Protest Project, as well as Mr. Briggs Mukola, who is a paralegal at Citizen Justice Project. And together they will basically help us unravel some of these intricacies. Yeah, it'll be very good to hear what their perspectives are and um, because they work for institutions and projects I mean they've got on the ground knowledge and of course this wouldn't be a conversation without your input so if you wish to join the conversation you can send us a tweet at at VowFM using the hashtag LawFocus you can also send us a voice note on the WhatsApp number the number to dial is 084-078-4912. And of course, you are tuned into Law Focus on VIVM 88.1. But before we get into that, let us first cross over to our legal hotspots. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the of, the stories week. of the week. It's legal hotspots. Now, moving just north of our borders, Botswana has decriminalized uh, same-sex relations. In the past, Botswana uh, imposed up to seven-year... Uh, imprisonment. I wonder why seven. <laughs> something biblical about it, I'm sure. Um, for up to seven years imprisonment for same-sex relationships. Now, the High Court in Botswana today unanimously rejected the crime, in inverted commas, of homosexuality, saying that it is disrespectful to penalize people for who they are, and the law has no place in private acts between consenting adults, as it infringes upon the right to privacy. Mm. Now, for now, from now on, all three arms of the Botswana government will protect the gay community. Uh, worryingly, though, this ruling comes less than a month after Kenya rejected the decriminalization of homosexuality. Yeah. As it stands today, 28 sub-Saharan African countries uh, criminalize homosexuality. It's a lot because, a, I mean, how many states are in Africa? At least those that are part of the UN, there's 54 of them, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, somewhere there. It's in excess of 50, certainly. Mm, so, yeah. 28 is a lot. A You're going to go to jail, guys, for being mm. who you are. And that's not just to say that um, it's 28 sub-Saharan African countries that don't recognize, they criminalize. Yeah. Okay, so that, that's a big difference. You can go to jail for being in love. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Well, another issue which is making waves is that of fraudulent marriages. This is not something new in South Africa. It has been happening for a while. I think what makes a difference is that now, for the first time, there's five women who are being taken up, who are taking up a lawsuit. is going to be a class action against the Department of Home Affairs, and they are being helped by the Witt Law Clinic. Mm. And they basically find themselves involved in fake marriages. So what happens is that they are the victims of fake They are the victims. victims so, so someone decides to take your ID number and they marry you on paper. So you're married to a stranger. They change your surname. And this has a huge impact on your life. Yes. Because if you have children, for instance, you struggle to register birth certificates. If you can't get IDs, That's right, bank yeah. accounts. And all if, sorts of things. Yes. Yeah. And if you do have all that already, they're probably just eating away at your money, <laughs> well, which is not fair. Well, hopefully they're not. But, I mean, it does 
create a few problems the, the the most obvious one is that you can't actually get married then because you are already married that's, and that's, that's how you are in love with someone legit yes. but then there are other transactions that you can't perform you can't for instance stand surety without your uh, without your spouse you can't, you can't vote no you can vote you, you can, can vote, vote. with you can vote. your yeah. id yeah you can vote but uh, you can't stand surety you can't get a bond uh you can't um uh, purchase immovable so land and houses uh, without the assistance of your spouse if you are married. Sure. Normally. And 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 these poor women, some of them have been fighting for ten years to try and rectify this error. And every time they go to home affairs, guess what happens? They are given different advice every single time. I think it must be the most frustrating thing to find yourself in. Yeah, and you're totally innocent. I mean, at at best, what 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 the what the, what the ladies have done is perhaps lost their their ID document mm. and 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 just from simple thing like losing your ID document all of these ramifications come out Absolutely. it's really unacceptable yeah the other thing that sometimes puzzles me is that whenever a marriage is concluded in the republic it's concluded by a marriage officer whether that's a religious minister or whatever or it can be someone at home affairs and their number which is unique to each marriage marriage officer is recorded on the marriage certificate so one should be able to trace I wonder if because it is fake does that not then also become difficult because perhaps even the person who's signing might not be legit maybe that's also fraud commuted so it's fraud on top of fraud but now if that were the case you'd have a very simple solution in that the marriage is invalid automatically mm. if the marriage officer is not so the problem uh, here uh, is uh, we've got legitimate people who have signed into law people who sure yeah, yeah no. potentially we've got legit i mean but also the marriage officer could be completely innocent because they just presented they with somebody know. who says i am or I am so and so and they and yes they produce an ID fake ID which the other party doesn't know it's fake and they then conclude a valid marriage hopefully this will be sorted out and hopefully these fraudulent crimes can stop happening because we are tired <laughs> of victims suffering and unfortunately again it is women yeah it's usually women now moving just across the bridge to the South Gauteng High Court the Johannesburg High Court ruled last week in favor of Karima Brown. She'd brought a case against the EFF uh, in that the EFF had contravened the electoral code leading up to the 8th of May elections. What she alleges is that the EFF uh, published her contact details on a WhatsApp group and then on social media later on, uh, uh, which led to her receiving various de- death threats, rape threats, now, the EFF was found guilty of contravening the electoral code. Uh, however, they were co- they were um, ordered to pay costs. Uh, I did read their, um, their press release on this, and it was the shortest press release that I have seen ever. It was <laughs> two lines. Uh. We take note of the judgment and we'll comply. Uh, sure. But, I mean, there's not much else to can. I mean, do. it is scary. Death threats, rape threats, there's nothing fun about that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a serious 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 contravention infringement and and all for having a slightly pol- different political, political view view which is totally unacceptable in a democratic society absolutely yeah, what happens to freedom of speech yeah. and expression I, I really do hope that those individuals who are uh, who did commit uh, you know who may, did make the threats mm. and are it's chased up Found. and, and uh, service providers are able to give you know details of 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 the uh, of the account holders you know cell phone account holders and uh, the police are able then to to follow that up because it's serious we it can't is very serious it is very serious it's not okay yeah. so and then in our final story which is going to lead us right into the conversation that we are having this evening remember last week we spoke about the forest high school pupil the yes. breaking story yes, yes. Who, who died allegedly i don't know killed yeah. one of his peers and the two others were injured yes in he, a fight yes. yes um so he spent a week in custody and yesterday he was granted 5000 rand bail yes so i don't know is he going back to school it's unlikely that he will be go, going back to school for his own uh, safety. It was very unlikely. My understanding is that he will be permitted to write exams because he's a pupil, uh, but at an undisclosed location. As it stands now, though, he's out in the public, but he's on bail. I assume because the um, the offence is fairly serious. 
that there will be certainly severe restrictions on him. Mm. Uh, and so it's not just you pay five thousand, you can walk around. He, he would probably be subjected to quite a few conditions that he must. I mean, do. and he is an adult. He's twenty. He's not seventeen. Yes, so. no, he's, he's he's certainly not an adult. He's certainly not, not a, a minor. A, I mean, I saw a picture of him, and I I could scarcely believe he was twenty. But anyway, I mean, that's a story for a different day, which we, we can discuss at a later stage. But yeah, he's on bail. That, that's, that's what it is. He's on so bail. easy to mess your life up. Yeah. Oh, be careful. Anger is not good. So um, we will now join, be joined on the line by Stanley Malimaja, who is an attorney at Right to Protest Project. And he's going to help us unpack the issues of bail that we're going to be looking at, some of the technicalities. What is the purpose of bail? We want to understand it for our own purposes and um, for our own use. So do join us as we are joined now by Mr. Malimacha. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Stanley. Welcome to Law Focus. Uh, good evening, how are you? I am okay, thank you. I am not alone. I am together with my co-host here, Tepo, and together we're going to be asking you a few questions based on your expertise. Hello, Mr. Malimeja. Um, how, how are you, sir? I'm all right. I'm okay, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for having me and good evening to your listeners. Thank you very much for joining us. So let's get right into it. What exactly is the purpose of bail? Um, the purpose of bail, uh, to begin with, is um, it resonates with uh, the right uh, to be presumed innocent until proven guilty. And it uh, also resonates with the fact that uh, we cannot um, deny someone their right to liberty uh, based on a mere accusation of, uh, of an alleged offense. So basically, bail is to enable um, the state to respect uh, the human rights of the accused persons, uh, while um, whatever um, offence that they are charged with um, is still under um, investigation. Mm. And and mm. okay, yes, you want to just conclude? No. Um, so just to just to put it like uh, on a lighter note, is to. Um, actually make it clear that, um, you know, we do not uh, punish, no, not to punish people, but rather to, to suppress their rights uh, pre-trial, you know, yeah. until the trial has went on, this person has to have their right to liberty until they can be uh, proven uh, or rather declared um, guilty by yeah. a court of law. And what happens to this bail money? After you've paid the bail, what happens to the money? Okay, so this is how it works. So your bail money is actually um, security to the state. Um, so this is um, the nature of a bail is that uh, it is a few generous contract. It's a contract of its own nature. So it's a contract between the, the accused person and the state. So what happens to this money in, in, in simple terms, the accused person simply says that I will deposit uh, 500 into the state's account and that the state must release me upon um, receiving that amount. However, when I return to court on the day that the, the on the trial date, then that money must be given back to me because now the nature of the contract is this: um, the state um, has a duty to, um, to, to, to 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 promote um, the, the the freedom of the person while the trial is still uh, or while investigation is still ongoing. Then the accused person, on the other hand, has an obligation to appear on the trial date. So now how does the state make sure that this person appears on a trial date? Is by setting conditions of bail, mm. Mm. such as, you know, a monetary bail to say you are going to pay 1,000, then you'll be released and your matter will be remanded to such and such a uh, date. Okay. As in when the accused person returns to court, they are then entitled uh, to receive their money. They must receive their, the, the bail money. So you're not paying for your freedom, actually. It's mm. just security. It's just security <coughs> that you will make it to trial. Yes, no. Now, Mr. Malimetra, you've sort of answered the question, but perhaps let me ask it a bit differently. The person appears on the trial date. Uh, normally, they won't, uh, you know, refund them bail immediately. The, let's say now they're discharged or they're acquitted or whatever the case may be. It's easy they'll get their bail back. Let's assume person arrives at trial and they are found guilty. Are they still entitled to their bail yes. money back? Definitely, the, the, the accused person is still entitled. Uh, your bail money has nothing to do with your innocence or your guilt. 
Okay. That's a so bail is a bail is a, it's an application. It, it, it's, a, it's a it's a different process, um, but it runs a bit parallel to the criminal um, justice system process. So it's an application that is made by the accused person. Now remember, this is how it works. Um, when someone is accused of a crime, it is the state that is alleging that this person has committed such an offence. And according to the law, he who alleges must prove, okay? So the state still has an obligation to prove the guilt of the accused person. But while the state is still in the process of doing that, then we cannot we cannot deprive this person of their liberty. So what do we do? That's how the bail system came into place. Now, with the bail system, the accused person now turns into an applicant. He or she applies for bail. And you or she who is making an application is alleging something, then she he or she must prove. So some of the 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 the, 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 the risk assessment um according to the criminal procedure act is that number one, uh, the person must prove that once he or she is released on bail, uh, she won't evade trial, uh she won't intimidate state witnesses if there are any state witnesses, she won't tamper with the evidence or if, if there's any evidence to be tampered with and that um, she won't disturb uh, the police from or the investigating officer from conducting the necessary uh, um, investigations into the matter. So your guilt or innocence has nothing to do with uh, your bail. So bail is actually a separate matter from your criminal um, um, uh, proceedings. And what would happen if, let's say, bail didn't exist? What would happen if bail di- didn't exist? Then we wouldn't be living in a democratic state uh, because now remember, bail is a constitutional right. You know, um, so if bail did not exist, and that means that people would actually be, uh, you know, while uh, investigations are, are going on, people would be deprived of their right to liberty. And I mean, we can't turn a blind eye to affect that um, prisons or police holding cells are not a holiday destination. Mm. You know, so we uh, we need we need to to, to 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 think about that. So due to democracy and um, how the criminal justice system operates it was very necessary for the bail system uh, uh, to be developed yeah. okay Makes sense. um i've got two sort of um, um, questions for you um the one is i i, I practice a little bit of of, uh, of of criminal law um not a great deal but a few cases a month and i find sometimes that um our court system is then inundated with a lot of bail applications which should in fact be police bail applications or even prosecutor bail applications Mm. but people are not willing to take the responsibility of granting police bail or prosecutors bail perhaps can i can i I just cut in there because we are now getting confused now there's different types of bail applications it sounds like can you then just briefly 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 go into what those different bail applications are before Temple continues with his question okay so we have three stages of bail right we have what we call police bail and we have what we call prosecutorial bail, then we have uh, the court, um, first court uh, uh, appearance bail. Mm. Um, how this uh, stages of bail work is that they are each dependent on the type of offense that um, the accused person is accused of. You know, for example, if, um, if we look at um, trespassing, trespassing is a minor offense. You know, the person just trespassed, they just happen to be in a place, um, a private place without permission. Um, definitely one can get police bail then, you know. So it depends on the severity and the level of um, um, offense that one is accused of. And actually, if you look at the Criminal Procedure Act, it actually has a proper guideline in terms of its uh, schedules as to which uh, offense falls under which um, type of uh, bail. Okay. So now, just to put it in brief, this is how, how it works. Just because someone is granted police bail doesn't necessarily mean that they need not appear in court and that they are off the hook because they didn't appear in court and they were just released from the police station. After someone is released from the police station, the investigating officer in charge of that um, um, file or case, as, as, as they call it, at the police station, has an obligation to send a receipt to the clerk of the local uh, court which has jurisdiction in that area 
then when that person appears in that court, that day will be taken as if it was one that was granted by the court and it will just be extended or it will be kept on the same conditions. Same applies to prosecutorial bail. After the uh, the prosecutor um, releases um, an accused person on bail, he or she has the obligation to make sure that the receipt to show that this person was uh, was in custody, charged with so-and-so, has been released on bail. That receipt must reach um, the clerk of the uh, relevant um, uh, court that has jurisdiction so that the court can be acquainted with, uh, with the, 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 the procedure also and also uh, as to what this person has been charged with. Because remember, at the end of the day, it is only a court of law that can uh, declare your innocence, I mean, your, your guilt, rather if mm. I put it that way. Mm. Okay, thanks for the clarity. So, in your experience, and maybe I'm being a little bit critical, but in your, in my experience, I don't think that the the prosecution and the, uh, the SAPs exercise that uh, discretion enough, and they rely too much on the courts, and so you end up on a Monday, particularly on a Monday morning, where the, mm. where, where the mm. court is dealing with dozens of bail applications which it really shouldn't be dealing with what do you, what's your take on that am i being too harsh or do you think that they're, they're correct to be cautious no 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 you are not being too harsh actually it's the reality you know um i, I mean also look if we if we look at um section uh section 59 of the criminal procedure act that mm. that's the, the, the particular provision that uh, uh speaks about our police bail mm. and it is very clear that the investigating officer or the police rather um have the discretion even though this person has been uh you know arrested or because of a minor offense and stuff the the the, the, the um investigating officer still has discretion to decide whether this person can be released mm, or not, mm, mm. you know so they exercise their discretion so we can't say they're not exercising it they just have unfettered power and they have the last thing mm. if they decide that, look, this matter must go to court on, uh, so that, that the magistrate can adjudicate on the uh, bail um, application in this matter. It will go to, to, to court. You know, mm. I don't know what is the, the reluctance or what is the, the, the nature mm. of, uh, you know, that not happening where you find that courts are packed in matters where obviously a police bail or a prosecutorial bail could have been yeah, would have been appropriate yeah, yeah yes okay. yeah so yeah. Uh, i mean look i mean it's something that uh we don't know why it happens but because of this uh criminal procedure act we see that those people have a discretion and that mm. uh, there's no i don't think there's a guideline as to how you must exercise your discretion it's mm. something that's subjective right yes. so it goes uh police station to police station or um, yes. investigating officer to investigate depending officer. on our experience they are yeah depending on our experience they yeah, are and how they feel you know sometimes yeah. you get this attitude especially with the line of work that I'm in at the right to protest project you always get this um, negative attitude towards uh, protesters so mm. you know mm. sometimes they are just kept uh, in custody you know as a method as a measure to silence them or to silence uh, the activists yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So for no reason at all. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. I mean, we are running out of time, but I still have a few questions that I really need to, okay, you to just sorry. briefly, briefly get into. The first okay. being then, minors and illegal immigrants, is their bail different uh, to that for adult citizens? Yes, look, I mean, it, it, it's different, right? I mean, when we come to, um, you, you gave me two categories, minor children. Um, you know, it is always uh, with a minor child who is in, in conflict with the law, right? The first thing is that uh, once that child has been um, arrested and detained, the first step is that we must try to, imme- uh, as, as reasonably as possible, find um, the, 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 the parent or the legal guardian of that child. And once that person has been successfully identified, then it is in the best interest of the child to be released into the custody um, or into the care of that person. So it will never be the detention of a minor child basically should be a matter of last resort, you know. Mm-hmm. And also the place of detention where they are detained. We have our child and youth care centers which are designed uh, for the detention of children in conflict with the law. Mm. Okay. Then when we come, so it, it, it's a very different procedure. Uh, um, 
not necessarily too different uh, because in terms of an adult, we'll be looking at the Criminal Procedure Act and in terms of uh, a child in conflict uh, with the law, then we'll be looking at the Child Justice Act, right? Okay. Um, for example, I can just give an example where if the, it's an adult, you know, sometimes they will charge money. In most cases, maybe 500 to be released out. But now if you're charging a minor child whose parents are not uh, employed, can you see that those two procedures yeah. uh, do not go hand in glove and therefore the other one cannot be said to be in the best interest of the child. So uh, just quickly jumping on to... Um, illegal immigrants. Um, yeah, I don't call them illegal um, immigrants. Okay. I call them... Undocumented. Yes, you know, uh, so illegal is a very strong term. Mm. Um, so with them, yes, I mean, the practice we've seen, it becomes uh, really different and uh, it's devastating because there's this culture of... Um, the, the, the prosecuting um, authority saying that we cannot release an undocumented uh, immigrant uh, because uh, they so that there's a there's a likelihood that this person will evade trial and should they evade trial where are we going to find this person because they're not documented they're not within our home affairs systems so that basically means that we don't know the address where they stay and, and stuff like that mm. however even though you know that is not a condition in the criminal procedure act but in practice we do see that um, in most cases actually um a lot of um, undocumented persons um, can be denied bail on those grounds, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, ish, that makes sense. And, and I mean, is, do you think that the CPA is going to in any way have changes um, that will allow for this infringement? Sure. I, I mean, look, the, the problem to say, it, it's not with the, 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 the CPA, you know? The CPA has a, it has a risk assessment um, uh, so those are the, uh, the so the, the likelihood of something happening, the likelihood of an undocumented person evading trial. Yes, we can agree that it's a bit high, you know, because we don't know where we're going to find this person should he or she evade trial. However, the CPA also has exceptional circumstances. A condition can be placed. You understand? We can place a condition to ensure that this person does not evade trial. I can say, for example, if we are dealing with a with a um, an undocumented person, if they are granted bail, we can also that the magistrate court can also put a condition to say that maybe every Mondays or twice a week, report to the nearest police station to show that you are still present mm-hmm. within the, 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 the borders of the republic. And another condition is that we do not want to see you. Uh, at any port of entry in the Republic. You know, the CPA is actually well-structured uh, to, to, to guide um, when such situations happen. But what I'm saying is that the practice by the state, you know, it's always that an, an undocumented person should be denied bail on those grounds. Mm. And that now does not speak to the principle of innocence uh, until proven guilty, you know, because we are already labeling this person as being guilty merely because of their status in mm. the country mm. and that shouldn't be the case you know yeah absolutely okay yeah. no i think we have come to the end of our interview but i have to ask this before i let you go um <laughs> who can oppose bail and what options does a person who cannot afford bail have if you can just answer this for me in like 30 seconds um who okay bail shouldn't be it, it, it's not strictly uh, supposed to be about money um, so it depends on the personal circumstances of the accused person. If they are unemployed and they are unable to afford any amount of bail, conditions can be imposed. Because now bail is just to ensure that you will appear for the trial. So we can put other conditions. The ones that I spoke about, for example, reporting to a police station, yeah. that can also ensure that you'll um, appear for, for, uh, for trial. And what was the first question? The last one is a person who really cannot afford the money at all. I mean, you did say it's not about money, so I'm not sure if the yeah. question is still relevant. I was just asking yeah, 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 what yeah. options do they have? No, no. Uh, the options that they have is that conditions can be placed. Okay. It's, it, bail is not only a monetary, um, it's not a monetary requirement, actually. There are conditions provided by the Criminal Procedure Act to say that these are the conditions that can be placed mm. um, in, 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 you know. Money just comes in in the form of a security to say, look, if you've paid something and sometimes you know that, okay, I'm innocent, you know, and you've paid like 1,000, you want your 1,000 back. So you will stand trial. 
you know, also to clear your name. Makes uh, sense. On top of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But just because you don't have money doesn't mean that you can be denied bail. Conditions can be placed in. So you get what they call con- uh, bail with conditions. Bail with conditions. Free bail with conditions. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Thank you so much for joining us right here on Law for Christmas. Mr. Stanley Malimaja, he is an attorney at Right to Protest Project. You have been excellent. Thank yes, you. Yes, we appreciate your time. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Right. So that was a, an interesting conversation. It was an interesting conversation. Opened a few, um, uh, a few avenues for us to, to discuss a little bit. Yeah. So this idea that uh, should you be found guilty, bail is gone. Uh, that's That's got nothing to do with bail. That becomes very apparent. Now. Yes, absolutely. But the only purpose of bail is to Security. ensure that you attend trial on your date of trial on your date and you get your money back and you'll get your money back whether you're guilty or innocent has got nothing to do with i think that's important and i thought the conditions that he spoke about is also very important Mm. that it's not really about money 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 it's also Mm. just making sure that we place conditions to make sure that people are still still get to maintain their liberty yeah yeah but before we continue with our topic let's first hear obviously we want to know what you think about the topic and uh this week we decided to ask you do you think that it is fair for accused persons to have an option for bail at all? So this is what you had to say. I feel like people who are accused must get bail, an option for bail, because it hasn't been proven that they're guilty in court yet. So they should be outside. They shouldn't be treated like people who, who have been proven guilty while they're not yet. So, yeah, they should be given an option for bail. My opinion on this is that um, it is fair for someone to get bail because... Um, it happens in life that people make mistakes, so bail is some sort of a second chance to them. Maybe they could better their situation, maybe not, but it is fair. Um, I think that it is fair that a person who is accused should get bail, because most of the time, like recently we've been having cases whereby you find men being falsely accused, so it would be fine, like it would be pretty cool for them to, um, what can I say? to back up their case instead of just totally killing um, their option to do so. So I believe that it's fair. So, I mean, it's interesting that the Voxy questions basically do say mostly that, hey, it is fair for people to get bail. So I think both of us are very democratically inclined in this country. I think that's interesting that no one said... It is a young crop of guys who uh, have got new views. So. And just as important, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Before we continue with our second interview, which we will introduce in a moment, let us first go to the ads. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Hello. So we're back. Uh, and we're still discussing bail. You're listening to Vowel FM. 88.1 and it's a really really important uh, question because it doesn't matter whether you're guilty or innocent if you find yourself uh, going through the legal justice system this is a hurdle that you will have to overcome mm. and uh, our previous guest explained very nicely that there are in fact three broadly speaking three types of bail. There's the bail that you can get at the police station for relatively minor offences. There's the bail that you can get via the prosecutor, which is for a slightly more serious offence. And then there's the bail that you get at court itself, right? Mm. Uh, And uh, all three of them count as bail. None of them are less important than the other one, and none of them amount to a discharge. So the mere fact that you've been granted bail by the police station or by the prosecutor doesn't discharge you from the uh, from the offence. You must still attend trial. Yes. And people, I think, must always bear that in mind where they see an individual who has been arrested and suddenly they're out within three, four, eight hours of that from the same police without having gone to court. And people go, oh, no, but they just left him alone. Mm. It might be that that person has, in fact, been granted police bail. That, yeah, I think it is interesting. But I think... Um, I also like the, the 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 fact about the conditions. I think that for me was very, very important. I thought that was an interesting point that was brought up. But okay. I'm glad we're going to be able to analyze this further with our second guest who is going to join us now on the line. And he is Briggs Mukola. He is a paralegal at Citizen Justice Project. And he joins myself, Millicent and Tepo. Welcome to Law Focus, Mr. Mukola. Hello. 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 How are you, Mr. Al? Mr. Mukulu. Mr. Mukulu. Oh, we apologize. Apologies. 
Uh, all right. So my name is Tapu Mohapi. Um, I'd like to ask you just one or two questions. Um, considering the the, um, the stance in South Africa is innocent until proven guilty, um, would in any is there an offence nowadays? So, for example, in the old days, um, some of the offences in the apartheid days, some of the offences almost excluded the possibility of bail. Now, do we have a scenario like that in South Africa where bail is absolutely not available to an individual for this particular offence? Does an offence like that exist that you know? Yes, this is what uh, happened. What some people are denied access to bail, mm-hmm. and uh, bail is a constitutional right mm-hmm. for everyone to uh, to to. to have to or to be granted bail. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll hear some people saying bail is only for the haves, the rich, mm. and the poor people. Uh, sometimes they feel that they are denied their access to constitutional rights. So the, the, this belief of being denied, does it stem, in your, in, in your experience, does it stem from the inability to afford bail or is it from the inability to afford counsel to argue bail? I mean, what causes that sort of belief that, hang on, if I'm poor, bail is sort of out of my reach? Yeah, as a, if a person is arrested on the Friday evening, Mm. and uh, uh, try to apply for pay from the police station and he does not he or she does not have a legal representative mm. and the police uh, decide of giving or not to give pay to yes. a person yes. and the person will be in custody until Monday or Tuesday where the baby will be decided by the magistrate. Yes. Okay. No, I I, I, I follow. And um, so let me say, for example, you have an an offender who is now going up to be, um, who's going now to apply for bail. Um, and you have the victims. Do they have a say in what happens in the bail application? Does the court take into consideration how they feel? Does the court take into consideration what the offence is against the, uh, the 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 victims? So what I'm asking you is, from the community and the complainant's point of view, what impact do they have on the bail process? Uh. People feel that uh, bail is only accessed by the rich. Because um, most of the people uh, who don't have access to lawyers, who cannot afford to pay for the private lawyers, they'll be staying in custody until maybe the uh, either the legal aid or pro bono lawyer come in to assist. Hmm. Now that's where you find that uh, the speeding up of bail is quick when you have something. If you, if you have money, hmm. uh, that's where you can apply your bail agently. Let me put it a little bit differently. If people go and they protest, let's say the complainant and members of the community go and protest and say, we don't want this person to get bail, we don't like this person, look at what they've done to us, look at what they've done to our children, look at what they've done to our community. Does the court take that into consideration and say, but look at what the community is saying? Is that part of the bail process or not? No. uh, Normally, that is not uh, considered. Mm. Because we see uh, every time most people are going in front of the court protesting uh, against the, uh, the, 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 the bail application. But uh, the magistrates will decide, meaning that it's only the magistrate who's got more power to decide on the bail.
I mean, earlier on, you also spoke about how bail is a constitutional right. So, if bail is a constitutional right, um, what is the logic then of the fact that people have the right to apply for it, but people actually have no guarantee to getting it? Yeah, it is through uh, uh, a constitutional right. And also, uh, it must be considered on uh, what kind of uh, uh, incident or case. Mm. And how people are responding to the, the matter, especially uh, in the matter of uh, uh, rape or murder, uh, murdering. Then that's where people find uh, from the communities when they feel that this uh, person is not allowed to be in the community, they can raise up their voice in front of the court. Mm-hmm. But the magistrate doesn't consider what people are saying. They decide on their own. Do you think that's fair? Uh, that's not fair because people are not... Uh, you, you say, that's where you find people are not uh, considered. It's mm. only uh, because we've got only uh, three different types of bail where the police can give the bail or bail by uh, certain prosecutors and then you get also bail in court. Yes. Mm. Now, um, recently we had the Forest Hill High School um, where the young man was granted bail. He's about 20 years old. He's still a pupil at the high school. He's granted bail of 5,000 rand. Now he's not working and he doesn't have his own means. So clearly it will be his parents or others who will have assisted him to raise the 5,000 rand bail. Is that, does that work? Where you have an accused who clearly can't afford bail, they've, he can't afford the bail amount, let me say. And then we have another party, whether it's a parent or a friend or an uncle or a cousin or whatever the case may be, comes and presents 5,000 rand bail and pays it. Does it have the same effect on the accused? Is it useful to grant bail like that? Uh, is it, uh, in South Africa, how the, the courts are taking uh, decisions on this kind of... Uh, cases. Is the magistrate who's using his or her powers to decide on the matter? There is no way public uh, public participate in uh, bail decision making. Now the matter that you speak about just now uh, it made m- most of the people angry. Even um, I mean Reggie Farm now People are discussing, they talk about that, and they feel that uh, this boy was supposed to be kept in custody because uh, this is a new thing, and then the decision has not even buried. Now, uh, but uh, the public is not considered in this matter. Right. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much uh, for answering our questions and and throwing us a few pearls of wisdom. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. So it is interesting. I guess you don't really need to have a stack loads of money to be allowed to have your liberty. I think he dwells a lot on those socioeconomic aspects, um, realities of yeah. South Africans. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in, 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 I mean, they they both touch on 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 very important. I guess both touch on very important points, where they where they um, you know uh, our last guest did indicate that money plays an important role in the um in granting bail and how quickly people have access to bail which is correct but mm. our, our, our previous guest also indicated that bail is not just about the money mm. which is also correct it's not just about the money you can have conditions and all of that a- attached to bail in order to reduce the need for money in order to reduce the need, need for, for money, money. Yeah. right now one thing our guest touched on which perhaps i think i should give a little bit of clarity on yes you are entitled to bail under most circumstances it is a right Mm. however 
that and and you apply for bail and then the state must show why you shouldn't get bail that is most cases mm. there are exceptions the one ex- the two exceptions are a schedule 5 offense and a schedule 6 offense okay before we get into that clarity of the schedule 5 and the schedule 6 offense let's quickly go to an ad break and then we come back with that law focus and you your rights so before we went to the ad break, you were just giving us some clarity, some yes. pointers on the schedules, yes, um, yes, considering yes. the bail application. Correct. Mm. So um, under ordinary circumstances, bail is a right. So you have the right to bail unless the state can prove that you shouldn't get bail. And there are various considerations. The interest of justice, your, your, the, um, um, the severity of your offense, um, um, whether or not you will interfere with it. There are all sorts of considerations. But... As it stands in the normal uh, circumstances, you're entitled to bail, and the ca- and the state must then prove to the court why you shouldn't get bail. Okay. Okay. Mm. Schedule five and schedule six are not that way. Okay. And uh, if you are accused of a schedule five or a schedule six offence, you are not entitled to bail. And those are now an example would be sexual assaults. That's schedule five. Five. Okay. Schedule wh- five let's define quickly schedule five. For, in, for instance, some sexual assaults would be Schedule 5 offences. And then murder would be Schedule 6 offences. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. That's an example, right? So under those circumstances, you're not entitled to bail unless you can show why you should get bail. Mm-hmm. So then the, the onus is shift ordinarily on the state, state to show why you shouldn't get bail. Why you shouldn't. Unless you've committed a Schedule 5 or, or Schedule 6, six then the offense. onus is on you to... Yes show why you actually should be granted bail that's correct interesting okay so you must be aware um when you are observing our our, our justice system to see that certain offenses uh, bail is not normally granted or it's more difficult to get bail mm. than it would be under normal circumstances and that's generally because of the severity of the, of the offense that you've committed okay yeah. the other thing which perhaps our guest didn't touch on that much is the fact that bail is a one-shot deal okay Meaning? it really is a one-shot deal and so you must not get this wrong um right you will appear in court and when you apply for bail, if bail is denied, you do not get another opportunity. There's no appeal. In, oh, hang on, that's not what I said. Um, okay. <laughs> that's not what I said. You do not get another opportunity in the same court uh. to be granted bail. So normally it will be in the district or the regional court that you apply for your bail because the regional and district courts hear the majority of our criminal cases. And if you're not granted bail there, it means you must go to, to a the higher high court, court to go and then apply for bail and you give reasons why you should have been granted bail by the magistrate's court so it's a very tricky part of the not tricky part of the law but it's a very important step in the legal process the higher you go the more difficult it gets for you to make sure that you give reasons that's right but more important than that is that do not get it wrong the first time sometimes you have if if, if a client and they say they're innocent and, and whatever the case may be and they're in such a rush to get bail that they they, they they rush it and they don't do a bail application correctly mm. and then the magistrate even for a minor offense which would be a schedule one offense even for a minor offense you would then um uh, struggle to get bail if you don't do it correctly mm. uh, i've seen that happen when individual has declined uh, uh, the services of an attorney for a relatively minor offense but the magistrate wasn't satisfied that they could get bail they could grant bail and therefore they didn't grant bail so it's something that you should really think about and and and, and with bail do you think that it's wise to always 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 have an attorney to actually help you with the application or do people do it by themselves and they are still okay now our courts allow for viva voce which is a oral application it can be done okay viva voce. and so the attorney can do it viva voce as well if you do have one so now there's a famous saying in, in, in legal circles, uh, um, uh, 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 an individual represent themselves as, an, as a fool for <laughs> a client. Wow. <laughs> okay, wow. but that's not always the case. All right. Sometimes it's okay.
okay to represent yourself. I don't. I don't ever advise you to represent yourself in court. It, it, it's it's akin to um, uh, performing some sort of medical procedure on yourself. Uh. It's just not advisable to do it. You might get it right. You might get like you might get it wrong. He's an attorney. He needs to make money. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's also consideration. <laughs> okay. Now there is perhaps one more very important aspect of bail which we haven't uh, touched, touched on, on that much is if you are on bail right you are on bail and um, you are then um, released and for whatever reason you're then arrested for a separate offense mm. it will be taken into consideration before your trial is obviously completed now yeah. you will then potentially have a pending case against you and even if the pending case that against you is a minor offense mm. it moves your current case up to a schedule five which makes it more difficult for you to get bail wow. so the thing to watch when you are on bail if you are listening to this and you're on bail stay out of trouble just, just stay, stay out, out of, of trouble. trouble because to get bail for two offenses at the same time is not it's impossible difficult. but it beca- makes your life much more difficult you can imagine trespassing and then uh, 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 Shoplifting, and then the next thing you are on schedule five. So something along those lines, and now you're sitting with a schedule five. You see, which you you wouldn't ordinarily be sitting with. That is hectic. So keep your nose clean when you are on bail because you are not as free as you and me who are standing out here. Yes. Just living our best lives. hmm? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, especially if you actually don't have the money for it. But I think generally we should appeal to our attorneys out there and the courts that please, please, please be very considerate and help us make sure that you rather give us conditions you know as opposed to these monetary figures that so often are given as what bail is because most of us know bail as money not as conditions i don't know if it's lack of information or if that is because that is most of the time the practice yes. that is upheld within our judiciary. So yes. for me, I think that's important. And that part about even the undocumented immigrants, I think most of the time we trespass on the rights of vulnerable people. And mm. even if a person was in the country illegally, you know, um, Nelson Mandela says, hey, South Africa belongs to all of us and we all have rights. And mm. I think it's very important how we treat whether it's minors or undocumented people when we get, you know, in terms of bail applications and such other matters that involve courts. Anything else, Apple? Yeah. Well, you know, when if you find yourself, and you can very easily find yourself on the wrong side of the law or accused of being on the wrong side of the law, what I advise is that you cooperate in as much as you can with the arresting officers. And then make yourself uh, um, uh, known to your attorney as soon as possible uh, and then try to apply for bail. Do not really, if you can afford it, get somebody there quickly. Do not try to do these things by yourself, on yourself, uh, by yourself, for yourself. Rather get assistance in them. And also, some of the intricacies involved you may not know about and only find out much, much later and the expenses will have run up a massive amount. Mm. But know your rights in bail and know that there are three categories of bail. Police bail, prosecutor um, bail, and there is the court bail as well. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you so much to our guests for joining us, Mr. Stanley Malimacha from Right to Protest Project, as well as Mr. Briggs Mukulu from Citizen Justice Project. We appreciate your expertise on our show, Law Focus, this evening. From our producer, Simba Honde, our technical producer, Kukrano Sirami, our Law Focus researchers, Sise Tuzingelwa, Nalka Musita, Khaleletang, Khami, Sipati, Makafani, Tsapamu Happy and myself, Melissa Tindiveni. Thank you for tuning into Law Focus tonight. Good night. Thank you and good night. Law Focus on Volvo 88.1. Point of Information. Law Focus Podcast.